Welcome to The Light Pod, brought to you by LightEye, a hub for ideas, education, and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. I'm your host, Sam Corbel, and today we're in Viva Las Vegas. That's right, we're at Light Fair, and we're sitting down with Lauren Dandridge and Colleen Peach. Lauren is a founding principal at Chromatic, a lighting design studio in Los Angeles. And Colleen Peach is a senior lighting consultant at a tiny little firm you've probably never heard of, also known as Arab. Ladies, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing good. Thanks for having us. It's great to have you both here. I know that you're both a part of the LA community, the fabric that's very intertwined through many, many hours of traffic on the beautiful 405, but has some... (laughs) Some strong, <laughs> some strong bonds when it comes to lighting and a massive metropolis. And we're literally just down the street from what you both consider home base in Las Vegas at Light Fair in 2022, which today was day one. It was pretty fun, wasn't it? It was amazing to see everyone in person. I hadn't realized how long it had been since I'd seen people. Colleen, did you like? I actually was not there today. I was there yesterday before the manufacturers showed up and did a session, which was incredible. And of course, first session, run into two people I know very well. <laughs> I was like, hey, it was just like a big reunion. And you're like, wow, this is so freaking cool. This is so awesome. I can't believe we're all here. I realized that the last light fair I'd been to was actually probably in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. same. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's at least four years, maybe? It's four, it's four years in a normal world, yeah. but I mean, <laughs> two years in a pandemic world because we've all lost one, two, maybe three years of our lives, kind of just all blurs together. But the reality of the nature is this community is coming back together. And ironically, that's what we're here to talk about today. You both are part of something called the Speakers Bureau in L.A., Mm -hmm. which is a broader initiative, not only for Los Angeles, but hopefully for the entire community to figure out how to take what is something that is so passionate, our community, our lighting industry, and inspire people to join it at a very, very young age in some pretty unique ways, particularly when it comes to the diversity or the lack of diversity in this industry and how we might reach out to people that would otherwise never have the opportunity. Or maybe just taking it as an opportunity to say, hey, there are so many human beings out there that experience light every day. What can we do to get them involved? Before we dive into that, you've both got to do me a favor. Tell everyone, who are you? And how did you get your start in lighting? So uh, I'm Colleen Peach, like Sam said. I am probably like one of the many people I fell into lighting by accident. Had no idea that it was really a profession. And I decided to be an architect when I was probably about 10, 11 years old because I like to draw. And when they say that you like to draw, you like math. Well, then architect seems to fit you (laughs) well. Yeah, so went kind of full force uh, through high school. Took a CAD class actually in high school. They had that and I was the only female. And I was like, what am I doing? Then went into it in college and was a little blind, you know, didn't really know exactly what I was getting into and went through the studios and then, you know, graduated and went into architecture. So, and, you know, the next step was to get licensed and I was just very focused and thought that uh, my goal is to work on big projects. That was kind of always in the back of my mind that appealed to me, making a difference in my community. Went to some pretty big firms in Los Angeles, got my architectural license and kind of thought I was set. Then 2008 hit. Yeah. <laughs> the financial. Uh, yeah. I definitely, my naivete <laughs> in the architecture world really um, hit me. And I went, oh, okay, this is how this all works. And um, went to a construction company, actually, and doing design build projects for mm. military 
because that was still going strong from like 2009, 2010 in those years. It was a really actually great experience. Learned a lot, saw how the sausage is made (laughs) on the construction site. Then a friend knew the owner of KGM and said, are you interested? And I said, yeah, I'm interested. I want to go talk to these guys. So I did, um, liked the firm, didn't really know what I was getting into. And then I I was hired to be a lighting designer. And it took me probably about a year to go, oh, okay, now I feel like I can, I can do this. It's been, you know, lighting design ever since. So that was 2013 that I entered the profession. And I have to say, I've never Uh, you know, I was in architecture for a long time. And the community that is in lighting is incredible. And I don't know if too many other industries have this type of, you know, acceptance and just people that are connected and yeah, just a real love for what they do. The connection, the real love. It's 2013. You saw the light. Like, you can't even help yourself. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's interesting how when you think back though, like I, got into architecture because of Louis Kahn. That was the oh, moment yeah. that I, I it was saw lighting his anyway. Felix Exeter Library and went, whoa, all right, there's something here. And that got me hooked. And, you know, I still think he's sort of a master of lighting. So there are many masters of lighting yeah. because there are many styles of lighting and many styles of architecture. I think the commonality of it all is the fact that it's creating um, something that's foreign yet natural, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it's a... Uh, as humans, we roam the earth and we've evolved and we're on the built environment or manufactured outdoor space and tend to like it and take pictures and sleep in them and live in them and work in them and all these other things. Of course, lighting is something that is so important. You know, everybody always says, oh, so what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm in lighting. Huh. Next question. <laughs> I mean, people don't really know how to engage in that. And I always just tell people, well, what do you do when you walk into a dark room? You turn the lights on. I mean, lighting mm-hmm. is in every space and it's something that we simply take for granted because it comes up in sets every day. I think your journey has been something that's incredible and something that gives us an incredible perspective on what we'll talk about here with the ability to look at that community that you are now a part of and how we can give back. Lauren, tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got a start in lighting. I think I'm one of the few people that actually didn't fall into lighting. It was a deliberate choice from a really young age. I saw a theater play when I was in sixth grade and there was a lighting effect. And I was like, man, that's so cool. I want to learn how they did that. And luckily I was in a school that had a theater program and a teacher was nice enough to deal with an annoying sixth grader and who had a lot of questions and was willing to show up and twist cable to put it away and help after assemblies and things like that. And then when I was in high school at that same school, it was a private school, we had a theater program and there was a technical director who had a theatrical lighting degree. And she was like, yeah, you can go do this for a living. And I was like, what? Like, this just fe- this feels like a fake job. Like I can just show up and like put gels and theater lights and rig and load weight and that's a real job. She's like, yeah, you can do that. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. So I went to college and got a theatrical lighting degree and I had like a a mild panic attack in the middle because I was like, how do I make a living doing this? And that led me to trying to figure out other ways to make money in lighting, which led me to architectural lighting. And I started taking classes at UCLA Extension and Kathy Priscota at Light Studio LA was teaching there. And I cold called her and said, what are you doing with your theatrical lighting degree? Like, I see you teaching here. Like, how did you learn all this stuff? She was like, well, I just learned it. I was like, okay, well, can I come learn it from you? She was like, yeah, sure, come on. And from there, it just grew. Like I was able to go from firm to firm to firm and learn a lot. There's a lot of teeth cutting. There's a lot of very unhappy, painful moments, but ultimately I became a much better designer, more well-rounded 
designer and it made me appreciate architecture in a way that I hadn't really before because in theater it's something that gets put up and taken down in a day or two weeks or two months it's ever-changing and not permanent and and while I think we here in America don't really have quite the same understanding of permits that maybe Europe or some of the older civilizations do like a building is definitely still more permanent than theater so that's my journey and somewhere in there I started teaching because I thought I finally knew enough that other people could learn from me you mentioned so many things around like the permanence and creating something with a, a different definition relating to people all these different things you knew you wanted to do it from a young age and calling sitting right here next to you like basically saying i had no clue what was going on in the world of architectural lighting and then i discovered it and i was like peace i'm, I'm leaving architecture and i'm going to lighting and lighting has brought you to create an appreciation for architecture yet you're both sitting here today and we're talking about this industry the ability to not only fall into it whether it's circumstantially or by purpose mm -hmm. As we look at it, there's so many things, there's so many opportunities as a young professional. You break that down to a high schooler, then a middle schooler, then somebody who's in elementary school. Somewhere in that like five, six, seven year old age range of a child, you like start to figure out the world is there and you can go run and explore it. And then you like run and explore everything and your parents guide you and the world guides you and people show up in your lives and things happen. But at the end of the day, something generally speaking can create influence around the path that you ultimately create. For some of us, it's college. For some of us, it's race car driving. For some of us, it's being a pilot. I don't know, there's a, there's a million things out there. But for some of us, it's lighting. But both of your journeys are exclusively, so to speak, professional curiosity. Yet at the same time, our industry seeks to grow. And we know as professionals, one of the most powerful things we can do is turn around and give back to this community that you both speak of that you're not only so passionate about, but know you want to grow. When we look at what's going on in the industry today, recruiting is maybe a term that's used in lighting, but I would argue everybody jokes, oh, I'm an accidental tourist in this industry and I've showed up at it. Talk to me a little bit more about how that's not necessarily the case anymore because of what I'll just call like a different direction of design or a different opportunity to engage the community just at a professional level in terms of pulling people into our profession and allowing them to understand what it is we offer today. One of the things that I always say to my students is that, you know, I teach architecture students. I don't teach lighting design students. And I always let them know I see them in their third year of a five-year program. And usually that's really when they're sort of like having their, their like crisis of conscience, right? Like, oh my God, this degree is really expensive. After this degree, I'll probably still need to go take more classes so I can pass the ARE. Like there's there's years ahead of me before I can become an architect. And while it may not be the case for me falling into lighting, but there's so many top-notch quality lighting designers who either fell into lighting or had exposure via professor or class or a colleague and that exposure led them to lighting. And so for recruiting or having access to the lighting industry, it really is about just opening up to a much broader reach. I mean, we can't force lighting programs to open up in every university in the country, 
But what we can do is make ourselves more accessible to people in different kinds of universities and different kinds of colleges and different kinds of trade schools and different kinds of high schools, and maybe even in middle school. I mean, I'm here because I was in middle school and saw a play. And that was a single solitary moment. And I think we tend to give too much single solitary importance to what college can do for someone. And it is important. And not everybody is going to have the same experience as one person. But had I not gone to see that show and then not gone to see subsequent shows, I may not be here. I'd be doing something else. And so even if it feels like not contributing to a college program isn't the best use of money, I would argue that that's not true because a single solitary moment can change someone's life and can be influential in a decision. So when it comes to recruiting, exposure to me is really the crux of it. We want to gently and engagingly expose as many young people to lighting as possible, period. And I would add, I think through this journey, we've sort of, for me personally, it's just about raising awareness. Keep it simple. If you can get um, somebody to just, I guess I go back to that moment where I kind of had that epiphany. It doesn't happen for everyone and it can happen in a song and a play. And I think it's actually, sorry to go back, that Lauren and I kind of had the same realization. It seems like that age of like the sixth grade, 10, 11 is sort of that sweet spot, right? Where people get hit with something. And um, because there's nothing holding you back. Yeah. Like you you, you you don't really know what it is really. Um, But yeah, for me, it's, it's bringing awareness to the fact that this is a real profession and Mm -hmm. and i I, i'm a big advocate that you know we should really be um celebrating architects and we're putting stuff on this earth that's a big effing deal (laughs) we should be taking it very seriously it's a really freaking deal yeah and we should be thinking about permanence and, and what we're contributing to the earth and so yeah and and light is one of the major pieces that affects people's daily lives you mentioned the permanence you mentioned the fact that we're putting something on this earth Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you talk about here we are we have this opportunity we're lighting designers we're we're affecting people's moods we're affecting the outcome of a building and experience i think one thing that's so unique about our industry today that is absolutely freaking awesome is we are on Fire! Like, <laughs> the lighting industry isn't just lights anymore. It isn't just steel. It isn't parabolics. It isn't indirects. Like, it's technology business. Yeah. There's so mm-hmm. much that's going into our industry. I mean, every single person at Lightfair is like, yeah, controls are the next big thing. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, simplified controls. Controls <laughs> that people can use. Controls that people can design with. You uh-huh. know, a sequence of operation that isn't one. It just listens and learns and does what we need it to do. Like, there is so much brain power that needs to come into this industry for the future of it, right? Like, I, I, I if mean, lighting we, doesn't evolve. But, we're, but we were talking about accessibility, right? Like, that does not require a lighting education. That requires engineering that requires critical thinking that requires problem solving none of that requires you knowing what the f- a lumen is like to be quite frankly like Bingo. that's that's just all it is and that's that's what we're talking about right now right yeah i, I mean mm-hmm. it's you know everybody thinks you need to have a freaking lighting education or be in love with lighting to be in lighting and you don't like this mm-hmm. industry has such an opportunity to go capture so many minds mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. why isn't every mechanical engineer interested in lighting 
versus aerospace? Why isn't every industrial designer interested in lighting versus furniture? Why isn't every um, data scientist interested in lighting from the standpoint that lighting is the number one deployed system in a building and collect more data than anything else? There are so many opportunities for people to enter lighting right now and we need them. But people don't necessarily know that and they quote, end up in it versus decide to come to it. I think a big part of what's going on right now is this evolution. I wanna take a quick break and when we come back, we're gonna dive in a little bit more. Talk about how we can create opportunity in this industry for a big group of people that otherwise would never know it exists. Sound good? Sounds good. Hey, it's Sam. The Light Pod is brought to you by LightEye, a hub for ideas, education, and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. They bring you things like this podcast, documentaries, and a fun thing called the Fire Den. Lit conversations on hot topics. Check it out at lytei.com. And welcome back. Over the break, we were catching up just a little bit more about what it means to not only be inclusive of all those opportunities that are in this industry, but really seek to create them. Everything is created by being inspired. And a lot of that starts at an educational level. Some people may think of education as higher education, formalized education, but really education is the essence of sitting down to learn about something you didn't know about otherwise choosing to act on that, to continue to learn, and then most generally speaking, put it into practice. When you both look at your professional careers today, your paths, your journeys through life, and you look at the fundamental nature of educating people about all the things we talked about earlier that come into this industry, is there one place that can educate about lighting or are there many places that can educate about lighting at this point? Well, what is lighting design education? I mean, it's easy to sit here and say that it's technical acumen that we sit there and learn and we know how to use lumens and we calculate foot candles at a point or use the lumen method or any of those things. But that's not what it is. Lighting design is taking a story and that someone is giving you a program and figuring out how lighting fits into it and can support it. And that's critical thinking. That's understanding That's communication, it's listening, it's writing a sentence or speaking clearly about what your idea is. That's what I'm teaching when I teach lighting design education. And yes, eventually we talk about lumens and foot candles and candela and things like that. But if you can't do the why, then the what doesn't matter. I'd add to mentoring uh, young professionals that technical code regulations and stuff like that provide guidance and some good kind of foundation building blocks to help you understand how you should be lighting your spaces but then it's all of those layers like Lauren was saying communication understanding the architect's vision what's the user's vision sometimes that's different mm-hmm. <laughs> than what the architect's designing there's a budget there's so many layers to it and it's it's difficult it's all those in between that I think a lot of learning also occurs you're speaking to so many things and I'm constantly not hearing the word lighting design lighting layout fixture selection. It's all these soft skills. It's all these, mm-hmm. are they soft skills? I mean, it's a combination of skills that become an ability to communicate an idea, to tell a story, to understand a problem, to deliver a solution. We can teach people what lumens are, right? We can teach people what it means to be in a properly lit room versus an overly lit room, 
or a space or a task or you know where the light level should be measured i might even go as far as to say and you can call me out if i'm not right here <laughs> like uh lighting design is like kind of sort of human nature <laughs> like we know if we feel comfortable in a space or not and you could almost like reverse engineer lighting design from the standpoint of I walked into a space and I was comfortable. Mm-hmm. And you don't know why. You don't know why. And that's what our goal is, right? It, you want it, it is. It's, it's sort a, of like it's a... It's freaking lighting designer's <laughs> goal. Is, oh, the lighting is beautiful when people walk into a space and they don't talk about it. Oh, nice. <laughs> You're really good at pitching your job. Um, <laughs> just kidding, lighting design community. We all know what we're saying here, but at the end of the you day, you should totally pay us for this thing that nobody recognizes yeah, or like, like can see or like, quantify at just, all when they walk know, in a space. Say that at the end of your project, not the beginning. Um, <laughs> pro tip from Sam. The whole point is like we know what we like as humans, and when you can communicate that, when you can freaking educate people on the fact that like the fundamental reasons you feel this way are the way the room is experienced based on the way that it's illuminated and lit. And by the way, how it's controlled and what data that can deliver to optimize your experience and so on and so forth. Holy like what? But that's all a web, right? Like yeah. lighting doesn't exist in that in creating that moment alone, right? Like, no. like so you have lighting and then you have controls and then you have controls and you have placement, which then ties to interior design, which then ties to interior architecture, which then ties to architecture, which also ties to engineering, which also ties to egress, which also ties to code, right? So if the point of what we're, tr- well, not the point, but one of the points that we're trying to do is let lighting design have its equal weight within that web because what I've realized is that when the scales are out of balance, the space doesn't feel good. And and you may not be able to put your finger on it. Maybe a lighting person might, but you know when a light switch is in a weird location, right? Like you're like, why is it behind the door? That makes no sense. Well, that's because it's all glass on this one side and now there's not a place to put one and we couldn't get conduit to it or, you know, like any, any of those things. So like when the system fails or the system has flaws, then the design can't function at its most elite and most perfect version of itself. And, and that's, that's that's what we want. Yeah, because oftentimes lighting is an afterthought. Yeah. And, and that's where I think awareness is like, we're trying to make it so it's elevated to that, like, of course you need a structural engineer. Of course you need a mechanical engineer, right? When you're- But Colleen, the architect can do it all. I well. <laughs> The architect can do it all is a very interesting statement. I would argue that. I hear that so many times. I would argue, you know, the architect can do it all so long as you don't need to build it. Like if all you do is need to design it, they can can do it all. They really can. Like they get it fundamentally. Like, you know, this is everything that needs to go into building. But to think through all the details is nonsense. I mean, there's a reason generations raise generations and families raise families. Like, you know, it's like the world is not set out to do it everything alone like we're set out as yeah. human beings mm-hmm. to do things together in community in community in engagement in education yeah mm-hmm. i want to talk specifically about that educational component of it we talked about it earlier like that span of getting people excited and getting them fired up like it's it's kind of nonsense for us to sit here and say we're just going to go educate every design professional on lighting like at this point design professionals are in their niche and they're like hey if they're in on lighting, they hire lighting professionals. If they don't know it, well, we go out and we try our best. But one of the best opportunities we have is to go find all these people that are young, that are excited, mm-hmm. that are enthusiastic about, I'm going to do something that makes me proud. I'm going to do something that gives me an opportunity to say, I did that. And it's like pretty fundamentally easy. If you walked up to a kid and you're like, hey, do you want a, a job, a life, and a career that just makes people feel good and they tell you about it all the time? They're probably like, 
yeah <laughs> like yeah i want people to tell me i helped them out today like i want to tell people you know i want people to tell me that like hey you made my day i guess there are the fighter pilots out there and i'm stoked for them but you know there's also a lot there's there's also a lot of people who i think want to sit on the ground and they want to help people out you in la have come up with this idea a notion that not only can we go out to the youth but we can go out to the youth of communities that maybe also don't even necessarily have the opportunity to go find that higher education. Educate them at a very basic level, fundamentally, and let them know that, yeah, lighting is kind of like, you know, what it does, but you can do many things in lighting. Tell us about the Speakers Bureau. So it started in 2020. I think there's kind of been this rebirth, right, with the pandemic and, you know, George Floyd and everything else that kind of happened in a short period of time. Kate First, who is a member of IES and a brilliant uh, lighting designer, she sent out an email to some of the big players. I don't remember. It was quite a few people she sent yeah. it out to. And Snaps to Kate. Like she sent a, yeah. a very bold email to people yes. and in, in the true vein of allyship. Yeah, and uh, it was crickets. Yeah. Uh, I'll be it perfectly was. blunt. It was, and I, um, a little bit of background, I was the IES president at the time. IES Los Angeles. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> clarify that. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's okay, Colleen. We know LA rules the world. Everybody listens to the radio station from LA. Okay. So, you know, I was sort of monitoring this because um, I was copied on the email and just like, mm, is anyone going to? pipe up here and I sent her an email saying like hey did you get any response maybe they just didn't say and she's like no and I was like well, we gotta do something about this because we need to make this happen and I think one of the qualities I kind of bring to the table is like I'll make it happen <laughs> I'll, I'll get the you know what do we need what do we need to make this happen uh, my name's Colleen I work on big projects and I make it happen <laughs> well it was just sort of like she's she's put a lot of effort and thought into this yeah. email and there's a lot behind it and we we're also looking at New York equity and lighting which we have to give a lot of credit to too because they were ahead of the game and did um, a survey and brought people together and it was just yeah. incredible and it's still going strong and they're doing a great job so that was definitely um, the impetus and so fast forward then a couple months we did get together i think lauren you were in it from the beginning with mm -hmm. the email and yeah. kate and i had actually been talking yeah. about it she sent me that email actually before she sent it out just yeah, to like okay. proofread you know just in case <laughs> <laughs> so then we were like well we need to obviously is is uh, supportive of it uh lois hutchinson uh, is with wild la we basically were like okay and kate was ield and this email i mean it was a call to action yeah. It was yeah. saying yes. it's it was saying is anybody paying attention to what the hell is going on in the world right now? Exactly. And um, what are we doing about it? Yeah, so so we met. Uh, that was probably the end of 2020. And so we're like, well, okay, it's going to be we're going to join forces IS, ILD and Wild. And it was basically myself, Lauren, Kate, Lois at that point and we met and we were like, well, we feel like the best way to create this is to go through the educators. And so mm -hmm. we got together all of the people that teach lighting in Los Angeles, who are all fantastic. And uh, we got together and had a meeting with them. And so they were very nice to uh, donate their time and give us just 
some guidance. So like you said, Kathy Pergoza, who's, yeah, you know, she's um, active. Uh, Lauren mentioned her previously, and she was one of the people, along with um, a bunch of others, that gave us lists of contacts. I think yeah. we got contacts for, you know, we kind of, of felt like education was our, our key and our focus for this bureau. And we wrote a mission statement. So we had monthly meetings, and we tried to figure out what this bureau was going to do and how we were, I feel like it's still this uh, blob of clay that we're sculpting and figuring out, but it's it's, it's getting legs. Yeah, I mean, the idea was that on that call where it was ILD, you know, wild, Mm -hmm. IES, and then a whole bunch of us teaching in LA is that the educators burn out and especially the ones that are teaching lighting because it's time intensive. You have to take time away from your family because most of those classes are taught at night. Or you have to take time away from your business, which, of course, you really can't afford to do because yeah, you're we should say most of the educators are also practitioners. Yeah. So the idea of the bureau is really how do we alleviate the pressure off of these educators so that more of the community can hold this weight? How can we amortize the cost of being an educator to more people so that the people who are really strong arming? the lighting education in Los Angeles don't get tired and give up because I hope I can be a David Delora, but I don't think I have that in me, right? Like that's a lifetime of work and I don't, that's, that's a lot to ask of a person to do. And and by the way, David was a full-time professor and he also ran a business at one point too. I mean, like that's, yeah, it's mythic. Yeah. And I hope I'm mythic one day. I don't know that I am right now, but... But I think we're trying to set the foundation. We want this to not, you know, be just a flash in the pan. Mm -hmm. How do we get this to be... It's really easy to be kind of the trending thing of the moment and then five years from now it's it's kind of poof but it it has to evolve and it has to just have some structure what it has it can't it can't one person can't bear the weight of it and of course the notion is uh by creating this bureau of speakers by spreading out that stress or spreading out the time intensive nature of potentially having to do it what i'll just call one way versus the other way doesn't necessarily make sense because we have this opportunity with all this knowledge with all these educators I mean, you are both educators of your own. You choose to practice it formally, mm-hmm. and you practice it informally every day. I've got to imagine calling these really big projects. You're not just sitting <laughs> I, around. I kind of <laughs> wish I wouldn't have said make, that. No, it's fine. No, no. It, it, you're it's, so fancy, Colleen. I have small projects, re- too. You're really, really big projects. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm picking on you, but your company, Europe, is known for doing massive projects. And like, and yeah. it, when you're working on these, I mean, to bear teaching people on a really big project which happens by the way all the time everywhere all over the world about lighting ain't easy why do you have to do it all you don't Mm -hmm. why can't we come together as community go out into our communities and give people little nuggets and create excitement around that and let people think about that well but yeah at at, at an early stage level that's it right so we were sitting there on this zoom and early 2021 I think at this yeah. point yeah that's what we meant. and we said okay well we're going to start this thing Kate's idea was a sp- the Los Angeles Lighting Speakers Bureau and what that will be is a hub for us to have lighting people mm-hmm. who are interested in lighting education but are not possibly mm-hmm. going to commit to a full semester or a full quarter or even anything you know remotely repetitive and we will supply them with slides and some samples and pre-written material. So when we put the marketing effort out to 
after school programs to college programs to university programs to trade school programs and they say oh that sounds really interesting it doesn't have to be the same 10 people who are already teaching a course load of full of work anyone can drop in essentially and pick it up and as long as they can adhere to a couple simple things like colleen said we're not trying to turn them into cad and like super technical lighting people at 12 years old at 15 years old or 18 years old we're really trying to tell them like hey there's this really cool thing that we do and you probably have no idea that this exists and you could be a part of it or even if you're not a part of it directly you could be aware of it because you may end up somewhere in the periphery of this profession. Yeah, and I think one of the things we've learned as we keep getting deeper into it is like, we started out with doing, we're like, we gotta build these presentations. <laughs> we gotta, yeah. we gotta we all this technical information. We right? Which we did, which, which we did. Yeah, we did, but I think we've learned that strip it down, keep it simple. Absolutely. You, you don't have to go to these great lengths. People will come find you when they have questions. Well, we Don't we, overwhelm them. Yeah, we, yeah. Learned, we learned that in the partnership with NOMA, with the National Organization of Minority Architects. We partnered with their summer camp, again, due to Kate First and her amazing email writing ability. Mm-hmm. She reached out to the person in charge of their camp, Leatrice Harris, and said, you know, we as the lighting community are interested in teaching these students, these underserved students, about lighting. And she and I put together two presentations that were chock full of like really cool images from like all kinds of amazing firms across the world, just talking about color and how the light is moving and principles of light and all of these things. And after we gave this, you know, these full presentations, Eliatrice looked at us and she was like, that was amazing if you were in college. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and here I am thinking as a, as a person who teaches college, like, what are you talking about? Like, I could, like, this is so, this is like too simple for college. And then, but, but then again, you started to learn. But yeah, like, I had to humble, well, humble myself really to be like, okay, well, I didn't do a good job at this. Like, neither of us did because you know what? Like, I've never had to teach lighting to a 15 year old. What's interesting to a 15 year old besides TikTok? I don't know. So, how can we make this as interesting as possible mm-hmm. in a format that they're willing to uh, take a chance on? And it's about, in our profession, understanding all those technical details and simplifying it to the point where it's like, hey, I know you're 15. You like TikTok. Do you want me to show you a couple cool ways you can make your TikToks look cool? You could get your friend's phones and you could turn the flashlights on and you can make this effect. And then you could talk about how the fact it's light and shadow or contrast or basic terms, right? You talked about color, moving through a space, all these other different things. It's so important that, as you said, we don't create complicated slides. We create simple, they're simple, con- they're concepts. simple, simple concepts, yeah, simple images, just concepts. That's it. But then we enable our community and we entrust in our community to go teach that. You can do lighting design without more or less any technical lighting knowledge, right? Like mm-hmm. you can walk into a space, like you said earlier, and I can show pictures to these students and say, look at it. So the theme that year was Star Wars. And look at these really cool pictures of Darth Vader versus Luke Skywalker. Well, what do you see? Well, they're in silhouette. Okay, well, there's already a lighting term, right? That's not technical. That's something from theater. That's something from a, a, mm-hmm. like all kinds of different spaces. Darth Vader has a red lightsaber. Luke Skywalker has a blue one. Okay, now we have use of color that's telling story. And that has, again, nothing to do with any sort of technical knowledge. That's just looking and being intuitive, right? So being able to pare down what it is we do, which is, again, I don't know, you said like a soft skill or using your intuition or leaning into 
to the skills that you get from other places, that's really interesting because I don't care about TikTok, but if I can make them connect the dots between something that's really interesting to them, like Star Wars, and I can point out something that they probably noticed but never gave any credence to before, like the colors of lightsabers, like the fact that they're silhouetted, like the fact that the steam is catching the light in this one particular scene as opposed to when the steam isn't there, that's lighting knowledge. That's empowering. That's saying, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't know somebody did that. I could be the person who chose that. Yeah, and I think like that, it's, that's it. Yeah, it's it's recognizing that. And, you know, I don't think we have a metric of like, oh, we want to bring in so many people into the lighting industry. Maybe they go into the film industry. You know, maybe they become directors. Maybe it's they, you know, successful. it's sort of like, it's just going back to just awareness. Awareness and education. You have Ac- and access. Mm-hmm. Because if, yeah. we, if, we, if we don't specifically reach out to these communities, mm-hmm. Like, if we just, like, wait for it to happen, then they'll be behind. You hit the nail on the head. It's access. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we have to, as a community, not only be proud of what we do, we have to, as a community, not only seek to educate and teach people, but we have to seek to give people access to it. And that's not in a way that it's convenient for us. It's in a way that it's convenient for them. Them being yeah. anybody who may have the potential opportunity to join us. You've worked so hard to generate this idea. Kate has done a ton of work to help bring yeah. this to life. Mm-hmm. Both of you have been extremely involved in this as well. If people want to get involved, if they're curious to learn more, if they have an idea or maybe a simple slide deck to share, tell me a little bit more about where you see the future of this going, how they can get involved, or is there anything you're actively looking for? Yes. Uh, so right now we're living, uh, existing on the IES Los Angeles website. So we do have, um, if you click there, you will find information about the organization and you can sign up to volunteer. That's a great way to get connected. Mm-hmm. We are always, you know, we have a list of organizations. We found that kind of this is our first, we've had great success with NOMA. I should also mm-hmm. mention ACE Mentoring. Mm-hmm. So if there are people out there that are in any sort of professional organization that would benefit from having us come in and speak or want to just find out more about us we'd love to connect with you and it just sort of seems like every time we meet that you know kind of something else comes to the surface I'm like oh actually you know maybe like we were just talking about manufacturers and samples and oftentimes they want to get rid of old samples. Yeah, that's and something we're we like, came up in the last meeting. Yeah. yeah, you know, maybe we have like a swap meet. Would that be something that, you know, has some potential? Like we just sort of, these ideas come up and it's kind of one thing sort of leads to another. It's so a, any ideas that people I was going to say, have, I think the point is everybody in this industry, I would just challenge them to say you have a responsibility to get involved in a movement like this. There's no reason you can't. No matter who you are, what you do, no two gift is too small, whether it's, you know, a cached sample, something that's, you know, improperly machined but might explain the example of something, or literally work as a designer you've literally already done. Like, you know, send over your pitch deck about like the simplistic nature of lighting that you pitch to architects when you're trying to get a new client. Like, don't worry, nobody's gonna steal it and steal your ideas. Like, let's start to collect resources. Let's pull it together so that your team in Los Angeles, who by the way, is working as a nonprofit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on your own time, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. can do this. And then other people can join you. Colleen, Lauren, thank you so much for an incredible conversation. I feel like we're just getting started. Yeah. But this (laughs) is killer. And that's the point. Let's continue this conversation. If people want to get in touch with each one of you specifically, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, My email is probably the best way. It's Colleen, C-O-L-L-E-E-N dot peach, just like the fruit, at arup.com. You can uh, reach me, Lauren Dandridge, at Lauren 
at wearechromatic.com. And really quickly, I just want to stress that the Noma summer camp that we helped with last year as our test pilot program was still virtual. And so we had some really, really great donations from Roscoe. They gave swatch books for each of the students, and then we were able to get Gantam to donate some fixtures as well. This year, we're actually in person, so the donation protocol is a little bit different because instead of having to send things out to every student's home, we're looking to actually create a little mini black box for the students to be able to go into, to put their models in, to be able to take pictures, to generate content. And so having donations, monetary and fixture, specifically monetary right now, would be really helpful because we need to get that equipment to the school. We need people to help unload it, right? All of that stuff, unfortunately, costs money. Mm -hmm. And so that specifically would help us. And it only benefits all of us. The lighting community needs more people. And if we can broaden the pool of people that are entering it, then we all win. We definitely all win when we all pitch in together. Colleen and Lauren, thank you so much. Good luck with everything. Enjoy the rest of Light Fair. Enjoy fabulous Las Vegas. Vegas. I'll talk to you both soon. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. See ya. Thanks again for listening to this episode of The Light Pod. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor and click that like, follow, or subscribe button. That's the best way to never miss another episode where we talk to people about all things lighting who have inspirational and thought-provoking conversations to share. Until next time, cheers. Oh,